Hello, hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mawusi Ragland, and I'm your host. And I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I'm doing a special show today. And our guest is Julio Carrillo. And he was not a foster child, but he did go and stay with a family. And he's going to share with you his story. And he did grow up feeling a little detached because of the, the move, because of the situation. And he still faces some challenges today. And he's going to share with you, no matter what we have faced, he has found his way. And today his message is about helping people find their power. So let's welcome Julio. Hi, Julio. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for being here. So what would you like to share with the audience today? Well, I think it's important for um, at least the message I'm trying to bring out is to help people find the power from within. Uh, it's it's a super important because as uh, as we've talked about, you know, everyone on this planet deals with some sort of trauma or issue, and we can either learn to you know sink with it and drown ourselves in those traumas, or we can try to find the power within ourselves to try to rise up and, um, above it and better our lives, better lives for our future families, for our future kids. If you have kids now, you know, trying to limit the the passing down of other traumas that we've experienced. Yes, thank you so much. And that's what it's all about. It's helping someone, helping us through the stories that we share because we've all been through something and now he's going to share his message. How was your childhood growing up? Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Well, I grew up in San Diego, California. I now live in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, but when I came to, uh, when growing up, my family, my mom came from El Salvador. She made the very long journey as an immigrant. She, uh, if I remember the story correctly, she pretty much hopped on the rooftop of a train from El Salvador, Central America, and just rode it all the way up into Mexico, um, migrated into uh, the United States legally. She had a work permit. And, uh, you know, it's just a very, out in Southern California, you know, these uh, stories of immigrants or Spanish immigrants, you know, just worked hard. She cleaned houses, she collected clans, she conducted cans, uh, she worked as a janitor, whatever she could to make money, sold food, lunches for people, it didn't matter. She she hustled and she worked. Um, but because her English wasn't strong, very thick accent for sure, uh, especially new immigrant, it wasn't that great, not compared to how you and I are speaking. Um, you know, she was always fearful of, of uh, raising me in an environment that where she couldn't help me. Um, my dad at the time was uh, a laborer for a hardwood floors company and this uh, uh, Caucasian couple, elderly couple, they loved me. They loved me just because my name was Julio and her favorite singer was Julio Iglesias. And so she literally took me in and she, I was her little mini Julio Iglesias. And, um, you know, just slowly, not knowing at the time, the transition between living at home to living with them was frequent. I would live with them Monday through Friday and go home on the weekends to my parents. Um, and at that time, you know, it's around the Reagan time where immigration in the United States, I mean, I can't compare it to today of, of how in the immigration situation is, but 
you can imagine it was very similar, except that they're trying to pass laws where, you know, you had to be certain uh, uh, status or certain uh, citizenship. And because my mom wasn't, she was always afraid to take me to school. Uh, so it was really challenging for her. So she thought the best option at the time for her was to let me be called raised by this other family. Um, so, I mean, I honestly, I eventually even moved to Las Vegas with them for a number of years, all the way up until kindergarten to, I would say almost fifth, sixth grade, you know, up until middle right. school was when I, when I, you know, and, and not knowing what, how, to me, I'm just a little kid, <laughs> you know, I'm going wherever I'm told. They loved me. I love them. Uh, I see my family. I don't really see anything else. I see them as my mom, my dad, uh, or at the time I call them mama and papa. They were from Oklahoma, but so it's had this really Southern, you know, uh, Midwest, um, uh, lifestyle to them you know the country uh papa or his name was kenneth uh he was a world war ii veteran flew in the, uh, uh he was a pilot uh mama you could just imagine or joanne sorry uh joanne was uh you can imagine like a 50s housewife uh, she well just, did you uh, call them mother and father did you call them no, mom I, and dad i called them mama and papa yes were they old so they were an older couple oh oh yeah, yes have yes, yes how old yes. were they because you were five so how old were they oh god i would put them easily in their 50s I think mama was in her oh, 50s okay. papa was in a papa was in his easy 60s pushing 70s i think so uh there's a bit of an age difference but you know so it's pretty common back then and, and that time when they got together right so this was a couple that just fell in love with you your father worked with them is that yeah. And they did, so they lived in Las Vegas. Where did your mother and father reside? Were they in Las Vegas or um, were they in California? They were in a, a no, Arizona? no, no, they're, they're, in, they're in San Diego. They're in San Diego. And San you Diego. were in Vegas. So you grew up yeah. in, wow. How did that, how did that affect you? That had to be, so it was. Again, was, so was I forgot like? the name of the school. I think. If I remember correctly, the school is called C.H. Decker, I think, I think. Um, but uh, there was a year-round school. So on vacation, so like in a normal, we'll call it a regular household, you would go on holidays, on spring breaks, winter breaks, summer breaks, you'd go see your grandparents. It was the same thing, except I would go see my parents um, to go see them. And for me, it was just, I'm being raised by them. I don't know what's going on. I just... I went where I was told I've always been somewhat free like that. You know, they never did anything. They, all they did was love me. Yeah. So um, there was no, uh, call it harsh trauma in that sense, because they just love me. Um, the, the, we'll call it the, the effects actually happened after I was 18, when I understood a lot more. When you're younger, you're kind of just going with it. You know, your parents say, go here, you go here, or go there, you go there. And now, uh, you know, after 18 is when I started seeing massive changes in my life because I started understanding, well, why did you leave me? Why was I with that family? You know, the, a lot, all these questions, we'll call it mature, older questions start coming up and, and you start wondering why all these things happened. Okay, so, so let's take it back a minute so the audience can understand. So you were five years old and you yeah. went to live and not, it wasn't like they were next door. So that had, did you, were you no. scared? <laughs> uh, again, um, you know. Because these feelings start coming up mom. later on. 
Absolutely. Um, but it was never a sense of fear with them. They, again, they loved me. They did everything. They took me they places. Nice. Uh, they were very nice. You know, they, uh, like I said, Kenneth or Papa had his own little little plane, like a propeller plane. They, they were pretty well off. Um, and he would, uh, uh, when he lived in San Diego, they would take me to the vacation home in Arizona. Enough to the point where I was going there almost every weekend with them. Um, and then eventually they decided to retire, sell their business and move to Las Vegas. And I just, I just grabbed my stuff and went with them. I didn't question. I just, it was just one of those things. Like, You're going with them. And I said, well, okay. Oh. So for the audience sake, they, you had already started a relationship with them. It wasn't like you moved here to this place. And all of a sudden your mom's like, see you later. You're going with them. No, no. You were really, you were spending time with them. And they weren't strangers to you at this point, correct? Correct. Right. Okay. So then later on, when you were 18, let's fast forward now, because now you say, yeah. I'm questioning what, what happened. So talk to us a little bit about yeah. that. What happened when you turned 18 later on? Because you well, went back 18, home. You start becoming, you know. Right. Because you went back for the audience. Yeah. You went back home yeah. with them in the when you were in the fifth grade. So I want for you, for ladies and the ladies and gentlemen that are listening and children that at five years old, he was with this family. And then he went back to his mother, his family with his father when he was in the fifth grade. Okay. So now here we go. Yeah. You know, you go through middle school, you get into high school, um, you know, Southern California or, you know, most places in, in California tend to be really, you know, if you have money, if you don't, there's a big separation of wealth. There's a big separation of where you can live. Right. So you, yes. you grow up in rougher neighborhoods, you grow up in rougher neighborhoods, and then you start asking, start rebelling, start asking questions. Um, you know, I'm still keeping uh, contact with, with, uh, we'll call them my grandparents, yes. with mom and pop. I'm, I'm still, I'm still keeping contact with them. Um, and it's just one of those things where you start asking questions. Well, why did I like, it starts, you start asking, well, why did I leave? Why did I go? Like, what, why can I be at home? What's, what was the problem? Mm -hmm. uh, and those questions I asked, but you know, you don't get at that time, you don't get satisfactory answers. They, they can give you the secrets to the universe. And I think around 18, 18, 20 depends on, uh, how you grew up. But if you're rebellious, you don't want to hear anybody. You don't care that what the answers are. You just have bottled up emotions that kind of just uh, shaking up a soda, can, a soda can or a soda bottle and it just kind of explode and you can't control it. And I think that was happening with me at the time. Before I had any self uh, reflection time, I just, I just kind of popped. I kind of exploded because these were all feelings that you bottle up because you don't know how to handle them. Real okay, so you really you went through that experience. So was this because oh, yeah. was this did you all of a sudden feel this way? You think Julio, because your siblings were saying something to you about that, or is this something that just came out of nowhere? Because after your mother explained to you what it was, why she did it, and you could explain to the audience why she made that decision. You know what? I honestly, I didn't get that answer until probably in my thirties. And I, and I, and I, 
can explain a little bit why, because regardless of that conversation I try to have with her at 18, 19, I don't think I was receptive enough to accept that information given to me. And I don't think I was, I can, I can, you can't place yourself in the, in, in the steps of your, of your parents until you are a parent. And it's, and it's sad to say that, but I mean, it's really hard to envision what she could have been going through because I can tell you what I went through, but why, what, what made her, what prompted my mother to make a decision like that? What was her situation at home like? You know, one of the things that she told me was, you know, my father, who I believe was my father, was actually my stepfather. Um, when I came to what when I when when he was in the picture, from what I can remember, he was always just dad. But he was actually my stepfather because my stepfather was uh, he that that he he left. He just didn't want anything to do with me. Um, but you know, at eighteen, I ended up finding all these things. Just a lot of bottled up emotions. So she ended up telling me that you know, she didn't want me feeling mistreated or separated from, because I was a stepchild, technically speaking. So this is what prompted her to say, I, she wanted me to live the most normal life as possible. And not only that, but she also felt very insecure and, you know, um, vulnerable or, or what's the word here that I'm trying to find, but just very attacked. Like she couldn't feel like she could help me because she could barely read English and she couldn't even help me with my kindergarten homework. You know, she could barely speak English and she can't help me with, with most of anything that had to do with school. She couldn't attend any of the parent-teacher conferences. She couldn't do anything. Uh, so she wanted to, for me to live and grow up with the most normal, advantageous life as possible. That's a sacrifice that I would be incapable of comprehending at 19 with so much anger, you know, with so much hurt and, and, and abandonment, whatever you want to call it. Like I have all these bottled up feelings. I could never understand what she's going through. I'm older now and I can ask these questions and listen to her maturely and try to resonate with her, try to resonate with her feelings and emotions. And okay, I, I, I hear you. I hear why you did it. And what I would do in that same position, like uh, imagine as a mother, you had a, I would say not give away, but let your child be raised by someone else. I can't imagine the guilt she must be feeling or the pain she must be going through as well. You know, these are all the things as, as you mature, you tend to understand a little bit better. Wow. Well said. I really can understand that. And I know that you can too, because she didn't know anything about English. She didn't know any, she didn't even have her, she wasn't even legal here in yeah. America. She came here to really yeah. give you a future, you and your siblings. Yeah. So with that being said, yes, that's very understandable. And at your age as a teenager, you didn't, you weren't ready to hear that, but no. you did. No. You can understand it now because you're much older and now you're looking at it with an open mind, Absolutely. not Absolutely. closed. How, what were you like in your teenage years? What, did it affect you? Did you start lashing out in the anger if i were to ask my mom that she would say i was always a good kid until i was 18. at 18 uh my mom always has a saying about raising kids you're either you get the the worst part of it in the teenagers and after 18 that gets them to be calm or you're really calm and at 18 you blow up but either one you're going to have some sort of teenage rebelliousness either you get it earlier you get it later but it's one of the two and she says you know out of all my siblings that's what happened we were either really good 
and then turn really bad or we're really bad, turn really good. Um, and I was really good until 18. 18 was just like a, just a bomb that went off. And I just went, I went nuts. So, uh, you know, I got into a lot of trouble. I just, uh, it's one of the things that prompted me to move to Canada actually. Um, but uh, it was just one of those really, really, really explosive moments because there's so many feelings that are bothered up and then you just don't know how to handle and just kind of, uh, you know, up until you reach a certain age as for guys i feel that 26 27 28 tends to be a a new phase for most guys that's when we receive a new level of maturity or uh just start making a big change we're not in our early 20s but up until i was 24 was uh was really rough right and this do you think that had a lot to do with the decision that she had made with absolutely absolutely um it was a misunderstanding of of that um, of that solution, but it kind of goes on with the message that we're trying to, or you're trying to tell people right now, because it's it's you know there was no communication, regardless of what that communication was, you know, it whether it hurts you doesn't matter if it's good or bad, if it's the answer you want to receive or the answer you don't want to receive, you know, can you handle it? Doesn't matter what age, teenage or older age, can you handle that truth? Because just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not right. It was the decision she made, and I could never understand it at that time. I understand it now, and I and I don't know if I would be able to do the same thing. I think I might be stubborn enough to say no. My kids are mine. I'm, you're you're not going anywhere. You know, she made a huge sacrifice that made me who I am today. Because I live with that family, because I live uh, with that life. You know, I, I could have grown up with an accent a very thick Spanish accent because that's what I was hearing at home. Uh, you know, I could have, my family just taught me so many different aspects of, of uh, you know, 50s way of growing up. You know, they, they were mind your manners and, uh, you know, they'd give my whooping too if I needed it. Yes. They're, they're a little bit more relaxed on it with timeouts and stuff like that. My, my household family was the, was the one that would whip out the belt, but Julio? Yeah. Okay. We're almost froze up here. Oh, come on. I cannot. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. I can see. Okay. Now. Okay. <sighs> wow. Talk about education 101. There may be someone that has experienced the same situation. You have a family now. Yeah. What is it like for you? Are Do you feel detached in certain ways with your own children because of this experience that occurred in your life? In the beginning, when so my wife has uh, two children that came from uh, a father that passed away. So when I came into their lives, I had a very, very different way of thinking of what parenting was. And I was, it's, she's very family orientated, uh, holidays, family oriented. I'm not, because um, I never really had a 
family to spend all those Christmases with. They're just an elderly couple, right? It's completely different from having siblings, cousins. Uh, you know, uh, she always tells me, did you talk to your aunt? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know her. I don't care. <laughs> like, uh, it's very hard to attach certain family aspects unless you've been involved with my life for a very long time. I just because you say you're family to me, you're not family. Like, uh, so it's very hard to uh, uh, have those connections. Christmas time, I'm a little bit more disconnected. I do realize that I'm trying to work on it a little bit more. Uh, but it's just hard to make certain emotional connections um, when it's it's just challenging, you know. But uh, I, I'm I'm aware of them, and I'm trying to do my best to to be there and and to be as involved as possible, even though sometimes it's hard. Wow. So what, ha what do you do? What have you done to work through those things? Uh, to be honest, uh, one of the things I went to go do was uh, I realized that I had an issue. Um, I realized uh, one of the issues was uh, my, my mother. Um, and I didn't know what the issue was. But I remember I have my little thinking chair and I normally sit back on you know, some days off and I have a little bit of tequila or scotch on the rocks and I sit back and I really try to really dig deep down and try to figure out how can I better myself, right? What's, what are certain issues that are holding me back? Because I'll be naive to think that there's no issues. doesn't matter how perfect of a life, even the most privileged kids have issues. Too much privilege is a problem, right? And um, so one of those things was I started looking back at my life and I'm like, okay, I have all these things with my mom surrounding my mom um, that can, I can really say, okay, that kind of hurts a little bit if I really think about it. So I decided to go see a counselor on my own. I went in there. Honestly, I just kind of guns blazing. All right, I'm only here for this issue, this issue, and this issue. What do you think? <laughs> and um, he gave me some really great advice on how to deal with it. Um, and I felt like I really attacked it head on just because I know myself and I have a really obsessive personality. So when I see a problem or when I want to solve a problem, I don't waste time. I normally go in there and I really attack it guns blazing to try to make sure that uh, um, I'm trying to attack it from all angles. And um, honestly, after that, my relationship with my mom actually got a lot better. That's when I came to the realization of what we just talked about. I never understood what she was going through or what she could have been going through uh, we talked about opening and honestly and um, I sat back I listened I asked questions I try to make her feel as if she was not being attacked for her decisions I, I very well said you know whatever happened happened I am who I am today because of those experiences I'm not gonna say no to them uh, you know maybe I had to go through all that to be who I am today and I'm sure it was but now I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to hear your story. I'm ready to hear your side and just tell me what it was, you know, whether I agree or don't agree is irrelevant because it already happened. You know, I just want to hear what, what she said. And we had a really decent conversation till about 3 a.m. You know, I questioned a lot of things. I brought up a lot of things that I believe she she did wrong or I felt hurt by. And she answered them and I just accepted them. That's one of the key things to, to anybody dealing with trauma or abandonment or mother issues or father issues or whatever issues, addiction issues, you know, you really got to, the most important conversation that you can ever have in your entire lifetime will be the conversation that you have with yourself. If you can really listen to what's really, the, 
what's really going on, you could really solve a lot of issues. A lot of, you can at least learn that, hey, I have an issue. Hey, I have these problems. I can move forward from them. Now that I know what the problem is, it's a lot easier to find a solution. And in the day and age, like for example, with your podcast, you know, maybe a lot of your audience may not resonate with what I'm saying. Maybe they may not resonate with my story, but the whole purpose is you can find someone that resonates with your story. I'm sure there's someone out there who had maybe not the exact same life, but that had a mom give them away or a mom, you know, let grandma take care of them in the beginning right and has those feelings of anger and i might be able to reach out and hear my story and say you know you should have that conversation with them and most importantly talk and listen and try to understand you know a lot of the decisions the bad decisions that are made they're bad decisions you know they're the bad decisions and if it's a bad decision and someone who's accept that responsibility will feel bad about it they will it will be a guilt for them and being able to talk about it through them. Like I was talking about it with my mother, you know, she felt so much better after that. Cause she felt guilty. She thought I was still angry at her. That's why she's always trying so hard to try to make things up to me when you don't have to, no, no, no. I'm the oldest. I'm the firstborn. I'm supposed to take care of you. You did your best with what you had, with the equipment you had, you know, thank God now she's a U.S. citizen and, you know, she really worked her way up to as much as she could, but it's still my job do certain things and I'm her son at the end of the day you know that's my mom I wouldn't be here without her so and I think I, I feel that you said a lot of key things and it, it was her decision she made them and you you were safe you were not abused no one did anything to they didn't inappropriately uh, touch you no one did anything but no they loved you. They treated you very well. And you learned a different culture and a different way of life. And they kept you mm-hmm. for what, five years or so? Well, you were five. No. So you were five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, six years or so, right? Yeah, of your life. Time. Yes. And and those yeah, are those are yeah. times where you most children develop themselves and you feel that love and attachment. And so everything that you went through is understandable. And this show is about people that's made it through trauma is addictions. So yes, the audience will definitely relate with your story because the story is to definitely help someone find their voice and find your way because we we don't want to become a product of what has happened to us we don't want to stay there we want to move get the answers make peace with that and move forward so let's talk about your life today how's life treating you today can you share with the audience how your life is today yeah absolutely i honestly there's not a lot of complaints um, I started my first, I took my leap of entrepreneurialism in, uh, 2015 ish, I think, uh, I built companies, I've sold companies. Um, I am now working on two projects. One of them is a finance company where we help people save money, make compound interest, earn on their savings, teach financials, uh, strategies, financial education, uh, the other company we are just launching in January, but we will be giving out 
Uh, I call them reverse lines of credit to help with people's credit issues. Uh, credit score is just one of those things that you know loom over our head as a secret number. No one can see, but it, those three little numbers judge your daily life. Um, so uh, I'm in the world of finance now. Uh, I like money. I like making it. I like spending it. Um, and, you know, I'm just here trying to educate because that's one of the few things that we're able to actually that the government does not give us is the actual proper financial education uh, to really better our lives. Yes, absolutely. So you would like to talk about what, what you do there? Yeah, so my company that's uh, currently operational, it's called Platinum Plus Capital. So we uh, trade cryptocurrencies. So what we do is uh, uh, we help people. Uh, our, my platform allows you to have access to an e-library, which has publications and online videos, which we'll be starting publicizing in January. But you also have access to our program called HYPE, which stands for High Yielding Interest Platform. So uh, every single month, instead of giving your money to the bank where they charge you fees for depositing, taking out, uh, sitting, whatever, just having the money in your bank account, they charge you money. What we do is we actually put that money to work. Uh, we trade without we trade with those funds. And at the end of every single month, the beginning of every month, we split the profits. So our profits tend to be approximately around 5% to, uh, to our clients. So every single month, they're earning around 5% compound interest. We've, it's roughly around four to six percent, but average right now is five. So uh, we just put people's money to work and help them get out of their financial situations. It's available for anybody at any price range, uh, a minimum of 50 bucks. I mean, um, we're trying to give people the opportunity, doesn't matter what spectrum of the financial spectrum you're on, whether you have a lot of money or you have none, but the whole purpose is get started. Once you get started, then you treat it like a savings account. You can make your deposits every single month. Your funds grow within my ideas. Within the first uh, three to five years, we're able to uh, get you in a position where you can possibly buy your first home, where you can, you know, own your first car or save it for your children's education. That's the whole purpose of what we're trying to do is really break free. What a mutual fund can do in 20 years, we can do in 20 months. All right. And how long is your program? Uh, we started that about three years ago. How long uh, so, does your, how long is the course? Oh, there's no course. There's no course. So um, oh. you get to keep your money in there as long as you want. Um, you can take out your money, uh, cancel your account at any oh. time. It's just, it's a matter of, for me, it's, it's the, it's the magic of compound interest. So it's a matter of people teaching people what three years can do for you. Uh, because again, um, most uh, imagine like a CD account, you have to leave it planted for about five years, four years. You don't need that. And they offer you four to 6% annually. We're doing four to 6% monthly. So and you can always, you can start with, did you say $50 or $5? $50. It's as simple <laughs> as $50. That's as low as $50. Yes. <laughs> most clients do start well, out most. Most clients start out with a lot more within, you know, a couple thousand dollar range, not going to lie, but sure. it's, a, it's a number. It's, it's, it's math, right? You start with a little, it'll take you longer to reach those goals. You start with much more faster. You get to your goals. It's just math. So I recommend if, if you don't have a lot, I'd rather, it's rather to start now than start later because you'll never start later. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Yes. I love it. And I, I want to 
you have a quote and the quote says, whoever said money can't buy happiness was shopping <laughs> in the wrong store. <laughs> yes. exactly. Make your investments and build your future. It's all about being and, educated. And, that, and that's where you come in as an invest, as an investor. Yeah. So knowing, I've, I've learned you teach people how to make investments. Correct. Yeah, uh, Correct. Uh, for right now, we're just doing, we're trading on your behalf because the best way to make money right now is through trading and my personal experience. It's the fastest way to get you to your financial goals. So if you, uh, if you're able to, to have a little bit of uh, extra money on you, or you're tired of putting it somewhere where it doesn't work for you, the traditional way is we go to work, we get paid for eight hours a day, we get taxed to make the money, we get taxed to keep the money, we get taxed to spend the money, we get taxed to think about the money, no matter what we do, we get taxed. But if you're ready to actually put that money to work, that and, and something that can you know help you for your future, that's the best strategy. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of leaving cash sitting down. I got to keep it moving. I got to keep it making money for me. So, yes, share with the audience your contact information, please. Well, they can go to our website platinumpluscapital.com, or they can reach out to me on Instagram at the real Julio Carrillo. Um, or Carrillo, as we're trying to practice. Yes, Julio Carrillo <laughs> at the real Julio Carrillo. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, if they want more info, definitely. I can always give a one-on-one -on -one presentation. I can always give a one-on-one -on -one consultation as well. And just see what the situation is. There's no situation that exists today where we can't find the right information or the right person willing to help. If X person isn't willing to help you, I promise you, as long as you keep asking, there's always someone willing to help. That's at least my personal experience. And I agree. Now, so wrap it up and tell us if someone is facing and they went through a similar story, life experience like you did, what would be your message? It's okay. It's, you know, whatever trauma, whatever life experience you went through, it's okay. There's no blame on the left. There's no blame on the right. But the only person you really, really, really dig down need to talk to is that person in the mirror and accept that you went through these things. It's okay. You know, the unfortunate reality is that the world does keep moving and does keep spinning. And the only way to make an actual change is to stand up and say you want to make an actual change. I call it my three, my three C's, whether it's for business life changes, whatever you want to do in your life, you have to have courage. And that's the courage to either talk to yourself, take a leap of faith, start your own business, you know, deal with an addiction problem, deal with uh, trauma. You have to have the courage to stand up to it and, and really realize and accept that it happened. Second thing is creativity. Creativity can come and play as whether it's the business venture you want to do, if your situation is unique, whether it's your trauma, like I said, whether it's your future business adventure, whatever it is, you have to be creative on how to solve the problem because not everybody has the same problem. And the third one, and it's one of the key elements, I think it's commitment. You got to stay consistent. You got to commit to your plan. You got to stay consistent. It doesn't matter if you don't see any change within the first week. That doesn't happen. There's no financial guru that's going to make you a millionaire in a week. You know, you have to stay consistent to your plan. If you're going to say you're going to work on yourself, it takes time. You've got to work on yourself, but it's going to take you a year or two. You want to start a business. You're not going to see success in the first 30 days. It's going to take you three years, four years, five years. 
you know, if you want to start social media, whatever it is, you have to stay consistent at it. So it's courage, creativity, and commitment. Yes, I love it. Your mom did a fine job with you. Mom and pops did a fine job with you. It's a phenomenal story, a phenomenal outcome. And I'm going to leave you all with a poem by Douglas Maylock, and it's called It's Fine Today. Sure, this world is full of trouble. I ain't said it ain't. Lord knows I've been through enough and double, had enough and double reason for complaint. Rain and storm have come to fret me. Skies are often great. Thorns and brabbles have come to beset me on the road, but say, ain't it fine today? What's the use in always weeping, making trouble last? What's the use in always keeping, thinking of the past? Each must have his tribulations, water with his wine light. It ain't no celebration, trouble. I've had mine, but today is fine. It's today that I'm living, not a month ago, having, losing, taking, giving. It's time, wills it so? Yesterday, a cloud of sorrow fell across the way. It may rain again tomorrow. It may rain, but say, ain't it fine today? Ladies and gentlemen, I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. And I'm so happy for Julio joining us today. Your story is phenomenal and you are absolutely wonderful. I love the way you turned out. And I just appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope uh, we can have another chat soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us. Ciao, ladies and gentlemen. Join us again next week. Enjoy.